Welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, my name is Alan Collins. I'm the partner who heads up the abuse team at Hugh James, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Kathleen Hanelsey, Danielle Vincent and Hannah Hodson. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Danny. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, Welcome to this latest edition of the podcast that's brought to you by Hugh James. In this podcast, we are going to be discussing the media stories, if I can put it like that, in relation to the coverage of the Russell Brandham allegations. But before we get underway, I need to remind those listening in that we talk about difficult and sensitive subjects. And if you feel that you are going to be upset or distressed in any shape or form by what we're going to discuss, now's the time to switch off and do something else. Otherwise, please stay with us. So everyone, I should think, is fully aware that there has been loads of media coverage in respect of allegations concerning the comedian Russell Brand. And they are allegations. And we are not going to discuss the allegations because we do not know all the facts. We're, you know, like everyone else, just reading, listening, watching and so on. So we don't know what's right or wrong. But about these allegations. So we're not going to get into that. And we would not want anyone to think who's listening to this podcast that we have an opinion on these allegations because we don't, because we don't know enough. But what we can talk about is our experiences of cases where there has been a lot of media coverage when allegations of sexual abuse have been made because we are often instructed by victims and survivors in these high profile cases. And, you know, we can list them going back over many years. And, um, you know, a quick Google search will show the cases where we have been involved acting for victims and survivors in high, high profile cases involving quote unquote media celebrities. So, what we're going to discuss though is our experiences and the fact that we find that victims and survivors who would otherwise have remained silent come forward when there is media coverage. And we're going to discuss why people should not be surprised when that happens. So that's the intro. And I'm going to hand over to Kathleen to give us some initial thoughts on where we are with the current media coverage. Well, I think you've you've summed it up really well, Alan. I think one of the things that Danny actually noted that this has brought out is particularly looking at sexual abuse within the kind of comedy world or comedy circuit, and that several female comedians have commented on this being kind of the norm and the standard in the industry for male comedians to sexually harass and or sexually assault female comedians. And I think that 
perhaps needs to also be the focus of the conversation. As we've just talked about in another podcast, you know, sexual harassment and sexual assault or everyday sexism in the medical profession, particularly looking at surgeons, appears that the same type of culture exists within the comedy arena. Is it a culture of entitlement, a culture of empowerment? People think that they can behave like this and that it's okay and it's acceptable. Thoughts, Danny? Well, the thing is with the comedy world is that it's very... Into, so when I'm talking about male comedians, that there's some things that when I watch comedy, I'm like, Oof, no, that's too below the belt. Like, I really dislike that. I'm unhappy with that. I don't find that funny at all. Whereas other people could be laughing in the room. Now, a lot of the female comedians that have come out have said about, you know, things that male comedians have talked about. I mean, you know, you'll see clips on YouTube or whatever of male comedians joking about sexual assault or rape or abuse and things that you know especially the world that we work in I just don't find funny in any way so when this story broke in the news I really thought this was going to be another me too movement this is going to be a me too movement like there has been and we've seen in the film industry and lots of other areas since I mean, it's a real difficult one, as as you say, but I think this is going to rumble on greatly. And I do think there's going to be a lot more disclosure coming, not necessarily just about Russell Brand, but working in that type of industry Mm. for women specifically. Because again, as we've talked about on other podcasts, I think if you're a young female comedian trying to make it, you know, there's not a lot of money in comedy until you're successful coming up. I think you would be concerned about disclosing or reporting because of the implications that could have against you. If you, you know, you're reporting against a well-known household name and you're a struggling upcoming person that, again, there's this power and position of trust above you, I think it's a really difficult situation that anyone would find themselves in. I think as well, the nature of their job being a comedian, I think probably a lot of people wouldn't, you know, especially Danny, as you've just said, if you're someone who's up and coming, you're trying to make a successful career, probably the last thing you want to do is report or sort of take any humour away from yourself, if that makes sense. You want to sort of appear as this funny you know light-hearted comedian that gets on with everyone else I think a lot of their work depends on good connections and reputation and I think that can be a big prevention and I know a lot of female comedians have come forward and, and said that there is a lot of everyday sexism occur- that occurs within the industry and there's a huge lack of regulation within the industry that prevents female comedians from coming forward they don't really feel like there's any regulation or any structure for them to report to and you know it is a male-dominated industry I, I would say that's really why there has been such a lack of prevention from coming forward and what about victim blaming is there victim blaming in all of this rightly or wrongly and you know you know the finger gets pointed you know why are these people complaining this sort of thing which is a bit yeah. extraordinary in 2023 I think I think but I think that that happens everywhere like you know, say there's, you know, kind of joking at work that's either kind of misogynistic or, you know, offensive, sexually offensive, you know, it's the decision then becomes like, oh, do I laugh? And am I in on the joke, even though I'm actually really offended by what was said? But if I actually express the fact that I'm offended by that, then, you know, I'll be referred to as, you know, 
uncool or not robust or, you know, can't take a joke kind of thing. And I wonder that that type of environment is heightened when you're looking at comedy, whereas Danny says a lot of the comedy kind of can be below the belt or certainly crossing a line in terms of the content. But, and, but some and, people find offensive comedy funny. Does, does so does that just feed into this culture of that, I think that, it that probably does yeah because then how do you know the line I suppose in some ways but you know I think it whatever has gone on here whether you know obviously his kind of shtick was definitely you know definitely crossing the line in terms of sex but that's different than then actually committing sexual assaults if, if that's what's taken place. Yeah. Um, but I do think it creates a really permissive environment. That's, if we yeah. take examples, for for example, you know, I don't think that if some people in the room find something funny and it's really offensive, for example, to other people based on their experiences, that it's OK because some people have laughed. Because, you know, you can take something like, you know, look at Andrew Tate and the following he had of young males. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with a younger generation, the things that he was saying, they were then repeating to younger females or other males. And it was culturally seemed as acceptable. You know, you talk to any of the rape crisis centres, they've had to do a lot of back work, trying to work and going into schools, trying to, you know, teach them that the, the sayings of people like Andrew Tate is just wrong. And so I think with comedians, again, there is the shock factor because sometimes, you know, we all watch comedy, sometimes something so shocking that kind of takes your breath for the way and you, it can be quite funny or tongue in cheek or whatever. But as Kathleen said, that there's a big line here between, you know, standing on stage and saying jokes and then having effectively an industry where there's potential sexual assaults and things going on whether behind closed doors or, or very known because also that is something that's come out about this specific situation we're talking about is that what was actually known in regards to you know do production companies know what's going on you know when individuals are being booked and for me personally, I follow one particular female comedian who I love, and she did some posts on Sunday saying, you know, in my experience, I'm not shocked. I face this on a daily basis. You know, she's been on the circuit for a fair while. So at that point, I thought, OK, yeah, this is really is an issue. This isn't, you know, one particular comedian, which I wasn't surprised at. You know, this is clearly a cultural issue here. And then mm. following on from that, a number of other female comedians were like, yeah, not surprised. You know, this is what has been faced for years. So maybe, I don't know, I'm just thinking aloud now, maybe the media, including mainstream media, and, you know, those who put on these productions and the platforms and all the rest of it have got a responsibility because they know with certain performers, comedians, whatever you want to call them, they are going to be using graphic material for their quote unquote comedy because they know that there's going to be an audience that is amused by it and, and like it. And my concern is, is that is just providing a context potentially for offensive, if not criminal behaviour. I think the issue with this particular situation that there is now is that 
you know, a comedian is effectively self-employed, so he's going to be, or she is going to be booked by their agent, and they're going to do different shows every week. So we aren't talking about, for example, a primetime TV set here where every week, you know, the, the comedy shows that every week are filmed in the same studios by the same production team, and they're bringing on gas. If there'd have been assaults in that type of situation, you could see where there'd be liability. But here, if it's a particular individual who's going from job to job to job, who's self-employed, there's a difficulty there of how the liability is sitting with potentially anyone other than him or her. So well, that I'm was one of the things I was thinking I, about. Well, let's say, you know, for argument's sake, a scenario where you've got lots of different acts appearing on the same stage, those providing the platform, the stage, maybe they have a, a responsibility because they know what these acts are going to be about and they know who's going to be in the audience they know who's going to be there behind the scenes to make it all happen so yeah i mean i think the issue is is as you say alan the production company or whoever is providing the stage for these people for these comedians for these performances is not about kind of silencing content because obviously we have free speech but is if they know that particular performers that they're booking there's been complaints about them or maybe there aren't complaints because there's this kind of general silence in the industry but it's known that you know this particular performer you know grabs women's breasts in the green room or you know i don't know whatever it is that they do do they then have a responsibility do they have a duty to either not book that performer or to risk assess the situation and put some safeguards in place so that, you know, people aren't assaulted. I would say they do. You yes, know. I would. I, I think there's, you know, they're on the cusp of, a, at the very least, of legal liability because they can't say that they didn't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a team, mm. we talk about often mandatory reporting in other areas, but how that would apply to a situation like we're, we're now discussing well I mean, my view is it should apply across the board you know it's not pick and mix you know if there's mandatory reporting it should be yeah. in all walks of life not some kind of oh, this lot have got to um report but this lot don't i think mm -hmm. it just should be across the the board and um may, maybe that would instill a sense of responsibility what we're talking about right now it, i feel has got more traction as well because and we can say Catherine Ryan came out a while ago. I, I listened to her podcast and she said that there's a basically there's a predator within the comedian world. And she hasn't confirmed it's, you know, who's in the press now. But she was talking about this and talking about it. And she was saying for, for legal reasons, you, you, you know, it's a lit she said it's a litigation minefield. I can't name who this person was. And that must be a real difficulty for her because she's come out and she said, you know, she's got a young daughter that suffered sexual harassment on the tube not long ago and how she dealt with that. So she was very vocal that there was somebody that was a perpetrator, but she couldn't name who it was because potentially she could be sued. So it's clear that there's an issue here. And, you know, but that there were obviously so many loopholes that it's waited until this point to now obviously sort of explode onto our screen so everybody's talking about it. I was just going to say perhaps a, in closing topic for another podcast which is the use of or threat of defamation lawsuits yeah as a way of silencing victims and survivors. Um, I've just read a really interesting article about a, a big case in the US related to that so. The Duke of Wellington bless him had the answer I think I'm pretty sure it's the Duke of Wellington who is has said this so I hope I'm not misquoting 
publish and be damned. So as in it should be the publisher's liability? No, what he was saying, the Duke of Wellington was saying, it be publish and be damned is whatever it is that you want to allege, print it, publish it and be damned. <laughs> he couldn't care less. So I don't I think it's a good job you're not the editor of The Sun or something, Alan, because you would be getting a lot of lawsuits, I think, if we took that. That is what I'm get, trying to get at is, is, it, is, is if I'm pretty sure I've got I'm not misquoting, it's the correct quote, is that sunshine is the best disinfectant. These things, gotcha. yeah, these yeah. things need to be brought out, otherwise they just fester and yeah. um, things go from bad to worse and all the rest of it. Sorry, I wasn't trying to create another podcast right now. I was just saying I think it would be a good topic for another week. You're very right, Kathleen, because especially in the States where NDAs are very, there's a lot more there. You know, you've got people like Harvey Weinstein that rumbled on for years. But mm-hmm. just in what you were thinking, Alan, I, I can't remember the name of the case, but I remember years ago when I was a student, there was a murder in Bristol and the papers published basically a picture of this man who was this lady's landlord looking a bit disheveled putting his bins yeah. out i don't know if you all remember yes so remember the case and, because he was wrongfully sometimes that you know that man's life for, for a fair period of time was probably absolutely ruined and he had mm. nothing to do with it so i i do feel at, at times things getting into the press and we see all the articles that about celebrities and things that don't come true you know trivial things that don't come true like you see a picture of a couple in a bar and it's they're having a row and actually they're probably just having a conversation so you know i think kathleen's very good idea for a future podcast okie dogs all right so unless <laughs> kathleen has got anything else to say we'll draw this podcast to a close it's goodbye from danny it's goodbye from kathleen and it's goodbye from hannah and it's goodbye from me and please do tune in next time and as always if you've got any thoughts questions concerns please do contact us thanks everyone thank you for listening to this episode of hj talks about abuse you can subscribe to our podcast on itunes spotify or your favorite podcast player if you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today we'd love to hear from you email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk